podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line. Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs. Good evening or good morning. Depending on how you're watching or listening, uh, we are New Spurs Order under the uh, Touchline Fracker banner. I'll be your host, X-Pac, and uh, I'll be joined by my co-host tonight, Kevin Nash. How you doing, my friend? I am here. I am here. I, I almost didn't make it. I was watching uh, the... Go up, but I'm here. I'm here now. You ended up cutting out on my uh, stream just then, as you mentioned what you were doing. So I hope you weren't up to some kind of sus behavior. <laughs> and then that's a low blow <laughs> service we use just to up bleeping out whatever it was you were up to. But I can only assume you're watching all or nothing, and you were drinking in the last episode, as well as the tears. On one hundred percent go with it. I made sure that I got, got, got the blood of my enemies in before before the mm. point. So I'm energized. Very, very. Um, so obviously we're off the back of um, quite a frantic and uh, tense game <laughs> of the weekend against our rivals. Obviously, if you have um, been living under a rock, we've uh, just come off the back of drawing two all at the bridge. Um, just go straight into it. Uh how did you feel going into the game? Were you confident? Oh, it's cutting out a little bit, but yeah, let's let's keep it rocking. Um, going into the game, Chelsea away, Stamford Bridge, we tend not to have good performances there. So I was, I wouldn't say pessimistic, but I was very much going in with no expectations uh, outside of just leave with something. Like, I don't care what the performance looks like aesthetically, just leave there with something and keep pushing on. Um, and in, in a roundabout way, yeah, we, we did that. And uh, did you expect Conte uh, to rock with the same lineup, or was there anyone in particular that you would have like to see maybe for a little tweak not particularly not essentially um a tactic change because i didn't want to see that 442 with doherty and the <laughs> or playing out wide again but 
was there any little tweaks because i mean me personally i was really tempted to uh kind of see perisic in that starting lineup but yeah i think if if there was ever going to be somebody uh who was going to come in for someone else it was going to be perisic but based on sesenyong's performance in week 1 I wasn't expecting any any major changes. Um, I was quite surprised by how much of the bench had changed, um, just based on the fact that we knew Richarlison was going to come in, but we didn't see Spence. Uh, we didn't see Longley. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things. I think Conte has a habit of just sticking to what won the week before. Um, he's not a tinker man in that, in that sense. He tends to be quite consistent with his lineup so I went into that game thinking it will be more of the same but we'll throw on some of those new signings when the game gets inevitably a little bit rough yeah that's um something that gave me confidence going into the game to be fair I mean we only had to see what happened last time we played Chelsea and how our bench looked as well as our lineup um when we played them last time and um I was confident going into it. I was kind of thinking to myself, if we were offered a draw, um, hypothetically, at the end of the game, then I, I wouldn't take it. Um, I thought I wasn't expecting us to win, but I was quietly confident. Um, I'm quite glad Conte went with Sesson Young in the end because of how the game played out and the overloads on that right-hand side. I think... Anything less than a 110% Perisic would have got absolutely ravaged. Um, so, obviously, we'll get into it. And um, credit to Sess, he did quite well. But just um, setting that tone for that first half, uh, Conte did go into the game unchanged, zero tweaks. Um, nothing wrong with a bit of Emerson Royale, right wing back. Um <laughs> Nothing wrong. I mean, we got the same mid- uh, midfield, and uh, Tuchel decided that he would uh, play Loftus Cheek right wing back. Um, I guess that's what it was on paper, but obviously his role ended up being a little bit different to that, more like an inverted winger, and then putting uh, Reese James uh, right centre back. And what seemed to play out in the first half for me, um, quite clearly, uh, Chelsea did quite well to suffocate us um especially in their counter press um reese james kind of doing what rob holding was supposed to do in that north london derby at the end of last season (laughs) getting tight to sun every time he dropped and kind of just challenging him but he actually did it to to a more measured effect you could say even though um you could say he was lucky not to receive a second caution but yeah, that would have been a bit tedious for me. Um, yeah, fair play to Reese James. He's done a good job over on that side. Um, credit to Kukurea and Mount as well. Um, didn't see too much of them on the ball, to be fair. Maybe apart from a few kind of aimless crosses. But when it came to their pressing, they were they were really, truly very effective. And Kai Havertz as well, again, like has some decisive moments. Uh, what could have been decisive moments in the box? Indeed, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, Chelsea's Chelsea's setup uh, and their fluidity does definitely uh, disrupt Conte quite significantly. Um, 
the build-up play for us was pretty atrocious in that first half. There was literally not more than three times over the course of that half where we strung passes together uh, and got out of our half with any form of confidence. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that a large part of that is based on the fact that Tuchel's, Tuchel's fundamental system is very fluid at the best of times anyway, but against a midfield two of Bentoncourt and Hoybier who aren't the most mobile, who aren't the most dynamic. And then when you when you factor in maybe a son who isn't the best at playing out of trouble, they were just able to set traps um, consistently on their right-hand side. They just found ways to disrupt. Uh, as you mentioned before, Luke, I almost called him Lubin, Lubin Cheeks, uh, but Ruben, <laughs> Ruben Loftus-Cheek uh, managed to... Back in the first place, you just come out with those standard <laughs> names. He um, he made up extra numbers in, in, in the midfield and they were able to basically play f- four central players against Star 2 and it created a lot, a lot of problems for us. Um, what I would have liked to see to combat that is, and this is one of the things that I've... I've spoken about in the past when we played Man City and when we played Liverpool last season, we saw that Kulisevsky would almost drop into a midfield three, play on that right-hand side of the three mm-hmm. and make up numbers in midfield so we could just screen from left to right instead of sending one man to aimlessly press by himself while the two wide men almost recess into a a, a 5-4-1. And we did that over the whole course of the first half. So any anytime we recessed into a low block Chelsea just popped us from the from the middle wing positions <laughs> dominated us from the half spaces and put in a hell of a lot of crosses as well and had had they been a slightly lengthier team they probably would have scored from from a few of them to be perfectly honest so I did hope that Conte adjusted the shape a little bit I know a lot has been said over the course of the uh, over the course of the offseason if you will that we should be looking for uh, another player that can play in the midfield three. But we've seen over the course of the time that Conte has had Kulisevsky and uh, Bentoncourt in the team that those guys can be quite uh, flexible in terms of their roles. Um, But we didn't really see any of that over the course of that first half, especially. Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? And I almost forgot, like, we actually opened the first five minutes really well. Like, we actually managed to play Sun in twice in that first five minutes and obviously they did what they did to snuff us out and usually the player that drops into those kind of deeper positions is um harry kane um obviously they were looking after him a bit but there were times where either he just didn't decide to show for the ball whether that be him within himself or that being the instruction um yeah, the amount of times he just didn't drop deeper or actually let to show for the ball was a little bit weird to me. And when he actually did receive the ball to actually hold it up, for whatever reason, um, his hold-up play was just completely missing. It was just he was thrown off balance so easily, he would lose it quite easily. And it's quite obvious he's capable. Um but for whatever reason, yeah, he he had a poor game. It was really it was strange a... to see. It, it was it was quite strange to see that we took preference of trying to play out of the right hand side, uh, 
the majority of the time. So hitting hitting Kulusevsky and hoping that he could create something and sort of beat the press. When realistically, what you want what you want to do is have Kane drop deep and Sun run off the shoulder. But we didn't really see it after those first few minutes. Um, and we know that they benefit from being really close to each other. But when you've got Sun and Kulusevsky playing as practically peripheral uh, fullbacks, but tucking in quite narrow to to sort of make up numbers in the midfield as well, you just get overrun. And we just kept getting peppered and pushed back and pushed back. And there wasn't ever any respite. We couldn't really hit hit Kane with anything because we were taking preference out of the right-hand side. And then obviously we didn't really see much of um, Emerson or Sessegnon as any sort of uh, pressure valves, if you will. So we, we, we just got pinned Ooh. in, in all honesty. It was, it was pretty... Pretty dire watching, to be fair. No pun intended. Or no pun intended. He had a really so, good game, man. In fairness to him, like they 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 struggled a bit as as a trio, I'd say. But I can't fault him. I can't fault him. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I wasn't even meaning to get onto him there, but it was just <laughs> an interesting pun. Um, yeah, it's usually one of those, like you say, like the wing backs um, usually offer us at least an outlet. That for whatever reason, um, or what you alluded to, um, didn't really happen. And then some, like we obviously get our numbers made up in midfield through underlapping centre backs as well. They couldn't really even break out of their kind of defensive line to even progress the ball to midfield in the first place. So um, credit to them, and obviously I, I think Ben Tanker and Hoybier were off it as well. It kind of just goes to the point. In I guess in that first half, how much I guess of that play was only us playing within ourselves, or how much of the ratio were Chelsea good? Because I like what they did on um, on Mugger recently. They were kind of like a ratio as to whose fault it was. Was it eighty percent his, twenty percent theirs? And that's something I kind of want to throw into what our performance reflected on the weekend like for you how much of it was us kind of playing within ourselves I guess maybe not showing for the ball as much maybe not making ourselves not creating options off the ball etc etc or what was the ratio of Chelsea being good for you I'd say I'd say uh more than more than any uh performance on the pitch it was more of a tactical thing I think Tuchel 65 percent uh had Conte's number, especially in that first half. Um, and that ratio changed over the course of the game as 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 we ebbed and flowed with with uh changes and, and adaptations to the system. But yeah, I'd say I'd say Tuchel definitely outfoxes Conte uh from a tactical standpoint. And had he not had uh as Tobes Mr. Look at my arms, look at the veins in my arms <laughs> like to say, um Shy Havertz, terrible, terrible, terrible finishing, um, which probably gave us the the, the little uh, bit of a respite that we needed to go on and, and and snatch something from the game, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, let's see where they, where they got their goal. Um, just the to first one. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it comes to a point where I feel like I, I actually agree with the ratio where you were saying. I was thinking, if anything, 
Mark in 60-40, but 65-35, yeah, that's a fair ratio either way. And I sensed a lot of times where we actually, whenever we did actually get little times and a uh, little time and space just to actually play out, we'd take an extra touch and then, you know, we'd yep. get frustrated. And then we, as a result, committed quite a lot of fouls and invited more pressure on. And then subsequently they'd have more corners as well. Um, obviously, in the end, they got the goal from the corner. But upon watching the first half back, apart from that, uh, Scott, I felt like we actually did um, defend the set pieces quite well. We did. We did. I think the first, the first one was a bit of an anomaly. Uh, I I was uh, watching, I was watching a uh, Tifo in real life. Shout out to those guys, and they were speaking about the amount of outswinging corners and the way that a zonal marking uh, structure works. If you're looking to block at the near post versus the far post, and mm. um, those things are interesting because we do we do overcommit for corners. Um, we don't ever seem to be in control of them, and we do concede a lot from set pieces. So I don't know, man, like I know, I know you guys uh, in particular were really, really uh, chuffed about us finally having a set piece coach, but we need a fucking defensive set piece coach. Cause this shit is becoming quite, uh, quite, quite stressful. I don't think yeah, the same, the same, uh, the Stanford bridge last season as well. From Thiago Silva. Um, it's ridiculous. It's the, the the worst thing is is we do actually have a, a few players that are quite airily dominant. We do have quite a few guys that can sort of uh, stay with their markers and things like that. But um, I don't want to throw him under the bus. But since Romero has been in the team, uh, you're like, dude, I need you to do more, my guy. Like, I, I think he's a fantastic player when the ball's in in live play. But from <laughs> from set pieces. You're just like, dude, come on, man. you got to do more. You have to do more. You have to win a header occasionally from a corner. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely hear that. Um, I was kind of thinking this when uh, we conceded that that goal at Burnley away. Um, but with that defending of set pieces, I think it still could be a work in progress. I'm sure uh, Gianni Vio knows how to set us up or how to ideally set us up to defend better from set pieces. But at the end of the day, um, I think he's only really been in for a few weeks. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Yeah, this team they needs a few more weeks, um, evidently. Um, but we got to sort of tangibles of his work at the other end of the pitch uh, at the end of the game. So I guess it, at least, it levels out at least somewhat, it managed to even out on this occasion. Um, and I think, um, I think I saw, I think it was from the Athletic that brought this out, and it shows that the average height of each team in the league, and I think we're by far um, the tallest team in the league now. <laughs> I don't know how that happened because I think what Perisic, Longley, yeah, I mean, are they any taller than maybe? Let's presume a six, six one, probably about six, six foot. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, oh. nice. No, it's, it's it, it was it was an interesting one. I think uh, by the time by the time we made the adjustment with Richarlison in the second half, um, oh, Richarlison is quite tall as well. Yeah, sorry, he is actually. We we did look like we uh, had s- somewhat figured out what they were trying to do, um, mm. or at, at the very least uh, mitigate against it. Obviously, Sun was still 
playing quite narrow and so was Kulisevsky. So we, we've got to call it more of a 4-2-2-2 because mm. ultimately it was not a traditional 4-4-2 by any means. We, we had nothing down I remember it being called Indeed. a four-two-four before Conte joined Chelsea. But yeah, like you say, two tens by narrow. And would you say Richarlison offered us the pressure valve, which we kind Precisely. of Precisely. So I think I think what 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 naturally happens when you have two men up top, especially in in moments of play where your opposition is playing a back three, you have guys that can fill each channel, and you create a little bit of indecision amongst the the centre centre back and whichever one uh, has a man occupying the other side. Um, so what, what we saw is Kane was able to drop off and Richarlison had the threat of running in behind. Uh, Kulusevsky could sort of run the other channel and then Sun would be the free man in a lot of instances. Uh, so he could combine with uh, Davis on the left-hand side if, if needed. Um, obviously, Emerson stays quite disciplined in those in those attacks. He tended to almost make like a similar similar to what we were doing with uh, Jose, where we had the lopsided uh, back four, where when one goes forward, the other one sort of makes a back three uh, to provide a little bit more cover. We saw a little bit of that, uh, which again mitigated against some of the threats from Chelsea. We always had somebody uh, in between Kukurea and uh, and Sterling. But where the where the problems started to come in once we scored is the game became a bit more frantic and they were able to just shift all the pressure onto our left-hand side and create a free man on the right, uh, on their right-hand side, uh, which is how they managed to get the second goal. Um, as soon as we lost lost the ball, they were just right right on us, had had more players in, in defensive areas than we did and just basically shift the ball from left to right really quickly and mm. the ball was in the back of the net. So um, I don't want to see us do that too many more times. I think there's there's a bit of risk to it. Um, but to get back into the game, you understand why he did it. And it was one of the more proactive moves we've seen him make uh, as Spurs manager, I'd say. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was going to ask you, so if we um, should give Conte credit for being more adaptable. At the time during the game, I was very critical of how Conte was kind of refusing to change and just tweak it. I wasn't expecting like an overhaul change in the structure, but maybe just a small change of personnel, especially in midfield. I fully expected Basuma to be the first sub, but, you know, it raised eyebrows with, I guess, most, if not all Spurs fans, when the first substitute was, in fact, Richarlison for Sessegnon, who, well, I wasn't playing that badly, but was just, I guess, a victim of what was um, going to be just a change of shape. And um, see, Charleston coming on, not only um, what he offering that pressure valve, managed to create space for Kane um, to go through and go through what was actually a pretty good pass from Hoybia, who was having a poor game, as was uh, Ben Tanker. Wow. And obviously, a lot is made of, of a lot of the pressure that Chelsea did put us under, but by and large, we probably had the same amount of clear cut chances. Yeah, we, to to be fair, chance creation is never really an issue for us, uh, especially when we're the where we're the uh, away team or the team that has to sit off. We always manage to to make breaks and create some opportunities. But yeah, I I don't know how much how much I would sort of uh, revel in that. 
like having yeah. having the same amount of chances as as Chelsea having more on target, all of that stuff. If they were better up top, we would have got blown away in that game. If if I'm yeah. being totally totally fair, um, but that's not how it works. So I'm 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 happy, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, we can't perform like that again. Not 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 against them, especially. Yeah, and that's fair. And um, when you were mentioning the second goal, and I remembered how critical I was of how little he did change at the time. I quickly realised that he was about to change the structure back to um, our win-backs. Like we literally had the subs that I was screaming for and everyone was screaming for on the touchline ready to come on as Reese James slotted it home to make it 2-1. So, I mean, I guess maybe he was a little bit unlucky with timing, but maybe could he have brought them on five minutes earlier? Ideally. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. If, 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 if you could change anything, you would have shored up shop a little bit once we got back in the game um I, I i think i think the dynamic of our squad is really interesting at the minute i think ben davis might well be the first choice left center back for the whole duration of the season um because that that ability to switch to a back four and still have that sort of that comfort and Ultimately, that confidence from him, he he seems like he's really enjoying his football and he, by and large, hasn't really put a foot wrong. Like, I know, I know I've been, I've been really critical of him over the years. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of him as a left back, but if you are changing shape in a game and you do have four certified attackers on the pitch, Ben Davis looping crosses from deep is not a bad weapon for you to, for you to utilize. Like it, can create havoc. We saw him put in a couple of crosses that sort of uh, created a little bit more momentum for us. And ultimately, he didn't really put a foot wrong as a left left back during the game. No, so, I mean, no can you even blame him for the second goal? No, I think I think we were all just sort of uh, pulled over too far. I would actually say that the centre midfielders uh, let us down there. I think... Um, Hoybier looked like he wanted to get something out of Benton Core's back pocket, even though mm. there's no pockets on football shorts. Um, but he, they were literally holding hands and they were too far over. Uh, if you see where, if you see the angle from like a reverse angle, you can basically see they just had like an offset box uh, in front of or between, or, let me say, around our centre midfield. And they were just able to play around us. Um, and ultimately, you need one of your, you need one of your uh, centre midfielders to be aware of what's behind him. Mm. Were they were both just looking at the ball and sort of pretty stationary. So I saw uh, obviously Romero and and Dyer shifted far over to the right, and Ben Davis was pretty much on the penalty spot. Which again, from a defensive standpoint, as the as the guy who can see the most of the pitch, you pretty much have to just cover from for whoever vacates the spot. So it, it was a bit unfortunate, but I would, I'd say that the defense the defense was let down by the centre midfield, which tends to be the case when you're overrun. So I would actually agree with that. I wanted to just play devil's advocate a little bit, though, <laughs> and just have to ask the question. But um, yeah, for me in future, I just want to see if we're going to go to this four four two four two two or uh, it's forty-four, whatever it is. I think Bissouma has to be there for the whole time. 
Um, to be fair, I feel like out of the midfielders, Hoybia had the slightly better game. But I, if we, if we're going to that shape, I think it has to be him off for Bissouma because Ben Tanker is a bit more mobile, a bit more disciplined, and he's better at covering big spaces. Yeah, and Basuma excels in that too. So it just makes sense for me to have Basuma as the linchpin to kind of spring those ideas and obviously help us get a foothold back in those kind of games. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a learning curve for um, Conte as well, not just against Chelsea, but I think we're going to have um, a few ties in Europe, which are going to be quite a lot like that, especially away from home. So. If we can adjust just that little bit quicker, then I think we'll be all right. But, uh, yeah, we're going to see. Um, obviously, them 2-1 um, <laughs> at this point. We're moving now, I guess, into the closing stages of the game. Um, actually, firstly, with our equalising goal, um, not just to give prop to the person who equalised, it was off. Should that goal have stood? <laughs> like, uh, no. actually have a point with um, see their complaints about Anthony Taylor for that because arguably foul by Ben Sankur in the first place. Um, the, the foul, the foul claims they need to give it a rest. Uh, a he got the ball, and whether whether or not he got the man as well, it's like those those, those go your way sometimes. Sometimes they don't. But there was a lot of ball. Movement. There's a. They even retrieved the ball. They they got the ball back, and it was uh, Jorginho fumbling about trying to do uh, Cruyff turns and shit to fucking mm. get out mm. of trouble in 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 their own penalty box. That led. I'm to hearing there's a big fallout back. from that still. But, yeah. <laughs> so there should be. But yeah, uh, in terms of the offside, there was. I can't. My memory is not good, but there was a there was a, a incident like that last season, which didn't go our way. So it is what it is. Who cares? Like yeah. they they always say they always say oh Thiago Silva pushing over Kane. And oh, Kane yeah. started it, but basically Kane like had a hand on Thiago Silva. He felt the hand, like there Kane was that one made an action to push him. I thought that was the incident you were on about, but yeah. No, Kane no, it was a there, so there, there there was there was another moment last year. I, I can't remember actually whether or not it went in our favour or to the opposition, but that offside blocking the keeper's view thing, I don't think they're being as strict on that as they previously were. Yeah, I think they changed um, the legislation on that last season, but I can't yeah. remember exactly when and what they said. But but yeah, I'll, I'll run it back and maybe we tweet about it afterwards just to make it yeah. look like we actually know what the fuck yeah. we're talking about. But, um, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough one. Unless, unless you have a camera right behind the goalkeeper and you're mapping what, what his eyes can see, who can say uh, the 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 bit that was a bit dubious is the fact that the ball did run quite close to Richarlison. So had he got a touch on it, then it would have been called off. So game. I of think he, Richarlison made an action towards the ball as well, didn't he? Like a small action towards the ball. So it seemed like he was trying to get out of the flight, of, out of the way of the path of the ball, but ended up moving towards it because the defender had lunged. So he's mm. sort of like just made a movement and then it went in the back of the net. But I don't even think Mendy was really complaining about that. I think he just got pissed that no one closed down the shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is, though, man. Fuck those guys. Fuck Anthony Taylor, uh, even though he helped us. 
Fuck all mm. of these reps, man. None of these guys know what they're doing. So it makes for entertainment, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. And that um, moving to the corner where we subsequently, well, just before we scored, there was a corner before where um, Romero decided to uh, give Kukurea some <laughs> bad some girl, bad boy, <laughs> sorry, treatment. <laughs> and um, I guess it was revenge, if anything. We obviously later saw it resurfaced. And uh, if it's true about what you say about. Um, contentious incidents in previous games as well as that Thiago Silva and Hakane goal which got disallowed. If anything, now we're definitely level, if not still indebted to another decision going our way. But um, yeah, uh, Romero on Cucurea. Oh, that was fantastic. He's, he's checking was, if his hair was real, that's all it was. It's he just, said he was into it. Yeah, it's, uh, He knew like what he was like getting himself careful. into when he stomped on that guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I mean, all's fair in love and love. <laughs> oh gosh, don't don't Mike don't Dean have such long hair on a football pitch. It's, it's that simple, man. Tie it up as it is that simple. Mike Dean got <laughs> nose to nose with him and just said, "Look, the game is the game." Exactly. You're in it now. That's it. It's it's so funny though, man. Like, imagine imagine if he did got get sent off for that, the fallout would have been immense. Like, oh man. But again. We come out, it's squeaky clean, and I'm all for <laughs> it, man. I love a shit house. I love a shit house. I love it when when we can be the bad guys and and there actually be justifiable cause. Because as far as I'm concerned, Sun gets a rep, Kane gets a rep, all of these guys get reps for literally just playing the game. And mm. it's like, come on, guys, you had you had Diego Costa. Yeah, why are we Diego not allowed Costa? to be shit houses? By the way. We, they, we, no one gave them this squeaky clean uh, reputation apart from you yourselves. Like rifle fans would give people these squeaky clean reputations, and then when something bad happens, it's like, oh, but I've heard he had the squeaky clean reputation. But it's like you all set the precedent for that. Like precisely, they've been calling us soft for years. They've been saying we have a soft underbelly, all of this shit. And shout out to Eric Dyer. I'll never forget. Uh, I hear what they say about Tottenham and I don't like it. Still rings true. Like these mm. these these guys these guys have to be nasty. They have to have that little dark edge to them in order to ensure that like we we finish games off. Like you got to show that passion and that desire. Again, shout out to Tobes. Um, mm. <laughs> look at the veins in my heart. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I think, um, I'm all for it. Obviously you're going to, you're going to get some occasions where it backfires, but the game is a game. The game is a game. And that's why you build a squad when, when Richarlison or Romero inevitably get red cards or, uh, suspensions and whatnot, next man up. And that's, that's, that's all we need. That's all we need. As long as we mitigate against it, I'm fine. There we go. There we go. And um, see, going now to the equalising goal itself. Um, interesting set pieces. see, starting with uh, Perisic taking it with his weaker foot. I'll say that with little quite. He took one there. earlier in the game with his right foot as well, didn't he? So yes, he did. Like, yes, he did. And Sun Sun took an early uh, free kick with his left. He did. That was in the second minute. Um, yeah, and yeah. he, I mean, I don't think it went very well to be fair, but it's interesting that this is what we're practicing. Um, 
if you're ambidextrous and the angle favours your your weaker foot, just try it because ideally uh, you uh, have as strong of a weak foot as you do a strong foot. So I've got distracted by a comment that came in. I'm not even going to put it on there, but you're a nasty yeah, uh, man. I want to, I want to, I want to uh, tell him something, but uh, I'm being polite today. So, <laughs> yeah, the acronym might be SYM, but that's neither yeah. here or there. Um, but the <laughs> the set piece. Uh, so the one before the one we scored um, was essentially a carbon copy. In fact, we set up, we ended up having like this kind of circle or triangle of like three or four players in this one zone. It's a very distinctly like different shape, by the way. <laughs> Is it really? There's, There's like a the very distinctly kind of, different shapes. <laughs> same amount of people in the same zone at the front post for what I saw. Yeah. Uh, as for like the rest. No, I mean, I mean a triangle a triangle and a circle are very different. Uh, one has sides and one is... Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like there was four people attacking the ball on the first one, which didn't quite come off. And then it was three on the one we actually scored. It was yeah, yeah. yeah. So 100%. they 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 sort of all make pretty identical runs, and it's basically whoever whoever touches it. And then Richarlison was sort of uh, drifting off, just in case a knock on came, but mm. not not quite far enough for it to be uh, really really obvious. But you could see that he drifted off just a little bit. But um, he's a nasty man. <laughs> he tried to claim the goal. It looked like. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, yeah. of all people, the goal of Kane. Yes, that's, that's fucking brave. <laughs> I said, because um, how was I, I swear on my daughter's life. I swear, I swear. You're I swear. a nasty man. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I thought Richarlison had scored at first. I think Tobes thought Richarlison had scored it at first while watching yeah, it live. Rishi lad, Rishi lad. <laughs> the, <laughs> the blonde little tips of Reese James that got like a faint touch on it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why Richarlison... <laughs> I, I, I can't tell if he was trying to claim it or he was just gassed that we had scored. Maybe, in, like, maybe. Practically the last touch of the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, Harry Kane... Managed to get up. I think he was pretty much leaping on Ben Davis yeah. to just get a little bit more leverage, <laughs> and he just flipped it in. And he said after the game as well, "It's like I just wanted to get a touch on it. I didn't even think it was going towards goal." But I think even without that Reese James touch, it goes like at worst inside of the post and in, yeah, um, if not the side netting. So I guess with those set piece routines, um, be encouraging to you as you going forward. One hundred percent. I think. I think, especially in a in a period of slowness for Son and Kane, I think these are going to be vital for them to uh, bail us out in some instances. Uh, Kane was awful, absolutely mm. terrible. Son Son was even worse. And two for two for your two best players is not great. So we, they need to bounce back for the next game. But over the course of that game, they were particularly poor. And Kane made up for it for getting the equaliser, but he needs to he needs to do more. He needs to figure out ways to be effective outside of uh, pinging glory balls forty yards every time he picks up the ball. He has to be more ingrained into the actual style of play and not just look to be the Bruno Fernandez of every situation. Um, 
because it is it is genuinely hindering our game as well. I, I I don't think we've played we played particularly well in the first game, but I can't really remember too many moments where Kane looked himself. And especially after such a good preseason and after a good end to the season, you do expect more from him. I think we saw a lot of this towards the end of last season, to be fair, where I guess people were seeing more of his passing ability. And I guess it's more neutral fans. I think Spurs fans have known about it for a good yeah. few years now, even before Mourinho, to be honest. And then everyone's hyped, like, oh my God, he's, he's as good as De Bruyne or a passing, if not better. And all these neutral fans are chiming into it. Obviously, he's seeing that and then becomes what's known now as the Bruno Fernandes effect, the Bruno <laughs> Hollywood Fernandes effect. And you see it, like every time he picks it up now, he looks for that kind of 40, 50-yard pass to Sun. Yeah. Um, even against Southampton as well, we had a situation where Kane dropped. He managed to hold it up well to his credit. Um, his hold-up play was much better against Southampton, but again, um, felt like he's on the ball work was lacking and he had an easy ball to release Kulizewski who's like 10 yards away from him to set us away and then he could have broke into the box and been another option to set up either him or Son and he decided to try and hit it to Son, under hit the pass and lo and behold we've turned over what was a good opening um, yeah he needs to be more efficient um, but again I'd, it's hard to tell what Conte's instructions are to him because well, if yeah, I mean, he's getting and he's following it, then yeah, just execute that. I barrel. mean, when you're when when you're a world world class player or or supposedly so or whatever whatever people want to say about Kane at the minute, just being an intelligent footballer, you know that if you're struggling over the course of a game and game, and if your touch is off, keep it simple, keep it simple. Combine with players and and build a little bit of rhythm and create some movement. Uh, for your teammates at the very least. And playing those Hollywood balls when you're like 15 yards away from the 18-yard box, it doesn't really make too much sense. Switching the play wide when you have options down the centre to combine with and get your ass in the box, it doesn't really make all that much sense, especially when you've got someone like Emerson who isn't really going to pick anyone out on that wide, in those wide areas. It sometimes slows our game down to the point where the opposition can predict what Kane is going to do and then they can just recess into their shape and, and basically just nullify the whole attack. And that, that's that been happening a bit too frequently over these first two games. So I do want to see a discernible uh, improvement in his overall play over the next few games especially. I agree. Uh, especially as he, he did look really sharp in preseason as well when he's on the ball. amazing. Well. <laughs> Let's raise a sharp, to be honest. So I don't know if he's just peaked a little bit too early for his fitness or match fitness, or it's just the August curse again. Yeah, it's a weird one with him. Maybe he's just um, kind of getting too involved with the fan energy, and he wants to be on those back pages again. Whereas I guess in preseason, he's got an entanglement in August. <laughs> Mm. Well um, done, you've just came up with the pod name. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving, moving on. Moving on, we will. 
Um, so transfer rumors, um, pun intended, by the way, uh, transfer rumors. Um, well, we've actually had a few confirmed um, bits of news. The Celso's joined Villarreal with the loan <laughs> no option to buy. Uh, um, who cares, man? Just get them away. This is what I mean with um, that La Celso and Dombele debate on, on our account, as well as a few others. Um, yeah. which made it afterwards, it was like, okay, who's been the bigger flop? La Celso and Dombele. Um, it's with when you, if you ever ask a fan, why has Conte ostracized La Celso? There's very little answer back because, for one part of it, I can kind of see why Conte would kind of see Ndombele is not part of his plans purely just because of that petulance in that cup game where he walked off the pitch slowly while we were losing I understand that to a point I would have still given him somewhat of a, a pathway back into the team but who knows but as the Celso to my knowledge hasn't shown any signs of petulance he's apparently quite passionate and works hard but he's <laughs> just on the pitch <laughs> Performances have just been, ah, oh, like it's in yeah, so no, him. That 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 guy, that guy has hoodwinked a lot of people. I think I I've never been a fan of like players' performances being tied directly to their fee because we've seen over the last few years, especially, you pay what it takes to get the player, and in the lead up to on. In the lead up to Tongi joining us, everybody wanted him. Many a person never saw him play. They may have seen like one Champions League game or, or two at a stretch. But people weren't actually in tune with what type of player he is or what, what he does well or what he would bring to the team. There was a lot of chat about him being the Moussa Dembele uh, replacement. And a large part of that was based on the fact that their names look similar on paper. Outside of that, they're not the same type of player. They they fundamentally have different approaches to do the same thing a lot of the time. But one player is distinctively more attacking than the other. And mm-hmm. ultimately, when, when that is the case, you don't play them in a double pivot. You don't play them in situations where they're going to be caught on the ball. You look to get them higher up the pitch, ultimately. And when it comes to Lo Celso, the Celso got built, brought in on loan, and then we ended up paying exorbitant fees to keep him. And people just seem to ignore that. And it's like, on 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 the balance, they probably cost around the same amount. <laughs> so it's like, yo, they were both underwhelming, but one of them is clearly and more distinctively talented than the other. One actually has mm. some form of football IQ. One has actually con- contributed to results, and one has not scored with a shin pad in a one-on-one. So fucking hell, like, just let it go. Just let it go. Lo Celso was fucking awful. He was awful. Yeah, he was. He was. And it was weird because of how he started. In that lockdown period, he was good. But then caveat that with having no pressure from fans in the stadium. Um, Because, I mean, I guess when you saw fans in the stadium again, you just saw him lose his head constantly, meaning Lo Celso. Um, and it affected his decision. Well, we saw the true nature of his decision making once fans came back as well. So, I was about to say it exposed it, but it's it just showed what was already there. Um, a shame. Uh, obviously, Andombele today got confirmed to Napoli with a loan. Um, 
with the option to buy for 30 million euros. Uh, but I'm buzzing for Tongi. I think that's a really good move for him. Yeah, he's he's got to make the most of this one, man. Like, I, I wish him well. Ultimately, he came into a situation that was quite volatile. Like, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of revisionism about how many managers pref- preferenced him or whatnot, but ultimately he was a Pochettino signing and we were clearly moving towards a different type of system. And ultimately Pochettino didn't have the best of time going into that season. So you end up with Mourinho, who basically put a target on his back from the offset and then also went down the route of saying, oh, and I'm also taking time out of my quarantine to train this guy in the park. Like, you're not recovering from that. You're not recovering from that. Like, the same the same sort of uh, stigma that's been attached to Paul Pogba, who, for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. would have still been the best player on the pitch for Manchester United over the last two games. Like, it's the same energy. And, and you obviously can't just blame the manager. There are contributing factors from Tongi. Um, he didn't cast himself in any glory in terms of his his demeanour towards the end or whatnot, or his tracking back uh, for tackles and all of this shit that we romanticise in this in this league. Um, but it is what it is. I want him to be successful. Uh, I want to see the black boy joy, if I'm honest. Um, so yeah, best of luck to him. And if we get 30 mil out of the, what, 58 back, then fuck it. It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> or Napoli are too poor to pay for him and he comes back with a an extra boost and uh, yeah. a pathway into the team. Uh, I don't think it's realistic. We'll end up at, he'll that be, is he'll be, this time next year, he'll be in Newcastle or Villa. Those will be the only teams that, that have yeah. the money to buy. Him. He's torn it up at St. James's Park before. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, but no, it's interesting. Napoli are building... Um, Actually, quite a good side. They're already in the Champions League. Um, Serie A seems quite open at the moment. I'm going to probably try and catch some games. They've signed um, the notorious Kim Manjay. Um, obviously, a winger who's um, a Georgian winger whose name I don't wish to botch. Uh, <laughs> Giovanni Simeone, who's been killing it at Verona. And um, there was someone else they signed as well. But by all means, they could end up being on the kind of small, small title charge over there. But who knows? That league, uh, I just that league is very this. unpredictable, man. Fuck knows what's going to happen in that league. <laughs> if Ndombele does, if he shows what he can do, well, what we know he can do in that Napoli team, with Fabio Ruiz looking like he's leaving as well, then, boy, like he, he, he'll be one of the standout midfielders in Serie A, at least. And... Um, yeah, that seems to get quite a lot of good attention. Serie A is way more competitive league than it has been in the last five years or so. But yeah, I'm buzzing to see how he gets on. Um, let's see other rumours today. Manchester United have just confirmed the signing of uh, Casemiro, which uh, now leads to other rumours with Real Madrid being interested in um, one of our players. Um Allegedly reported by the Telegraph as well. It's not um, not a silly tier, not a silly source, and um, they're saying that Real Madrid are interested in um, Pierre Emil Huibier. Um, 
Uh, we're living in a bizarro land. We're in the inside out or something. It's fucking hell. Stranger things are happening. Uh, yeah. Maybe. What are your uh, thoughts on that other than that being pretty strange? Uh, if Hoybier has on his CV that he's played for Bayern and Real Madrid, I can just imagine him walking around like Tobes going, look at the tats on my arms. <laughs> everyone like fucking hell. It is it is a bizarre signing. Uh, in 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 all honesty, though, I don't think we should be selling him at this moment in the window. I I I, I don't see how that benefits us. If we if we get forty plus million. million for him, yeah, sixty. Yeah, you let him go, but huh? again, it's slim pickings. Like it's slim pickings in terms of players that are going to be able to come in and immediately uh, contribute. We then have to shift. We then have to shift uh, the dynamic of the midfield that we've started the season with, uh, which isn't too much of a big deal, providing Skip is uh, fit over the next couple of weeks. But again, you're now embedding another midfielder into the team. Um, the name Neves has been floated around. It would work. It would work. It would. It would be a. a a pretty seamless adjustment for him having played in similar systems. But at the same time, you would hope that if you have 60 million for, for a player who isn't necessarily the best player in the team, that you'll be able to reinvest it for somebody who is of significantly better quality. And I don't know, I don't know if that deal presents itself in the next few weeks, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, um, I mean, how long is it until the transfer window shuts end of this month? Um, yeah. yeah, it could be hard to not only find. I guess we could probably find someone who's at least fairly similar with the system. There's even small rumours of us showing interest in Casado at Brighton. Uh, Ruben Neves is fairly familiar with a similar structure. Um, there's Brozovic, who might be plausible. Um, I haven't heard that one come up in a while, but I think he's a bit better technically than Hoybier. Um, albeit it would be hard, um, arguably to replace his um, his leadership within the squad. No, oh, either here or there. Nico uh, <laughs> Barella, so he seems a bit uh, expensive, but um, no, that's uh, to aid your argument. I think that's pretty much what you were alluding to. You know, it'd be hard to replace that kind of presence in the squad. Would that be fair to say? I think, I, I'd I'd say more so than presence because you're you're definitely trying to be uh, smarmy and put words <laughs> in my mouth there, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> I knew you'd clock me doing that as well. Nasty, nasty. <laughs> um, no, I would say I would say the fact of the matter is is Conte has entrusted Hoybier with significant minutes, um, so ultimately you're taking. A first team player and you're looking to replace them. Mm. That's always difficult. Uh we've seen we've seen those innocuous uh sort of transfers occur over the years. Guys like Trippier, uh you sell him, everyone celebrates, and then a year later everyone's like, Oh shit, we didn't actually replace him, we've just lost him, reinvested the money into another area of the squad, but now we've got one senior one senior right back and one junior now we've got to go back to market for another one i can see the same occurring with uh Hoybier, where we end up with three senior cent uh, center midfielders going into 
a season that is very, very important for us, we're forced into playing Winks or we're forced into playing Saar and then people bitch and moan for the rest of the season about how we haven't replaced a guy who nobody really fucks with anyway other than Tobes. So I, I would prefer us not to be in that situation. The lesser of two evils is keep him unless we're presented with an opportunity to considerably upgrade uh, that position. And I don't want to hear any more Madison shouts because he's not playing in a two-man midfield. People, please. We saw what happened with Ericsson. We saw this, what this... happened with Ericsson. Did we? Or was that, uh, was that a 12 football account on Twitter that saw what happened to Ericsson? Oh, I don't know who to give the credit to. I'm so confused. <laughs> but no, it was interesting. The reaction on the TL was um, obviously like, I'm under no illusion that Huibier is ungrade- uh, he is upgradable, even though I do fuck with him. But I do have a slight soft spot for um, his um, debatable leadership skills within the squad. Like some would say, might say he's a good communicator. Some might not. He's a really yeah, good yeah. traffic conductor. That's it, man. <laughs> and, you, um, you, you probably worked with Huibier. He's one of those guys on the runway that has them little sticks. Oh, well, <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> Whenever I describe what I actually do, people think like that's what I do. But no, <laughs> I, I wish. I wish I'd just take my lightsabers in every day. Um, Pause. <laughs> can be necessary. Um, yeah, a lot of people responded with the Hobie and they like, oh, we can upgrade him with. Uh, Madison or Zaniolo or Milinkovic Savage. I'm just like, bro, none of these are pivots in uh, Conte's structure. What is structure. this obsession like, with people and Milinkovic Savage? I'm uh, like, he's you know, technically, he is, he is really, really good. I'd liken him to, if I was to compare his play style to someone similar, I'd probably say Paul Pogba. Not to say he's as good as, but on that kind of level of okay maybe off the ball he's not as good or as disciplined as you would like but technically like in the opposition half in the final third he's very very gifted very effective at but some point I, we're gonna have to accept the fact that Conte likes a functional midfield like yeah like at some point any anyone everyone wants him to play um shoehorn him to this three five two and then Kulusevski doesn't play, and then everyone says, "Why isn't Kulusevski playing anymore?" Oh no, he could still play, just maybe a different right, position. Right, right, right wing back. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Shout out to Lucas Moore as well, man. Fuck him. <laughs> as much as people will push back on the idea of Kulusevski deputising that right wing back, there's no one that can tell me he would be a better option than Lucas Moura. I think Lucas Moura is a better option. I think Although a- I will say he did do well against Chelsea in the minutes that he got. That's what I'm saying. That's that's going to be his position. But we'll end the season with Lucas Moura right wing back. He's not good or intelligent enough to play there, so I hope it doesn't play out like that, and I hope you're right. Literally just need to run to the byline and cut the ball back. That's and how good has he been at that in the past? He Because to, we've been screaming. That's what he has to, to do in his forward line for years, and yet he's still... To be Monday. honest, in the forward line, he was being asked to play narrow. He was being asked to play as like a a quote-unquote attacking midfielder, and that's not his game. He was playing way too infield, whereas towards the end of last season, albeit he didn't stretch all the way to the touchline, 
he was actually driving driving byline and just cutting it back. That that is literally how he finished the season. And a lot of it was on the underlap as opposed to the overlap. But I think it's transferable. If you have Kulisevsky on that side and how him and Emerson have been combining, and I know we're going off on a tangent here, but you could see Lucas Mora on the end of on the end of a Kulisevsky through ball and getting Kane to actually commit to the front post. I could see that happening over the course of the season. I hope you're right. I hope so too. Because Saistradamus needs to come back. And I think, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a trust Conte on this because obviously he knows more about ball than me, but I, I just don't see it with him. Converted uh, lesser players, man. Well, eh, debatable, but <laughs> actually, yeah, I mean, I don't know, right wing back. I mean, I can't remember what Victor Moses was like before uh, Conte converted him, but he wasn't. He wasn't good. He wasn't what I've heard, but BMP. yeah. That's not for me to say. <laughs> no, I genuinely speaking can't. Of, speaking of that, are we going to get into the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. There was um, an incident after the Chelsea game, which was um, yeah, good segue, to be fair. Um, well, firstly, I think it was like... It might have even been the day before a game against Chelsea or on the Friday before um, the Premier League or the captains of the Premier League clubs all kind of decided that we're probably going to stop taking the as a sign against racial prejudice before games. And um, lo and behold, a day or two later, we play against Chelsea. And I don't want to generalise Chelsea fans, but I mean, I don't know why it keeps on happening at Sanford Bridge. And I think it might have even been the same corner of the ground where Sterling um, got abused, but I'm not sure. But yeah, someone made a gesture at a human son, which was racially insensitive, and um, it offers up an interesting timing. Yeah, I think I think uh, the whole the whole taking a knee situation is just indicative of how how these things are treated widely within society. Is it becomes quite tokenistic. Um, I quite enjoyed the fact that they kept it up for as long as they did because it, it added a bit of weight to the situation. Albeit, they all live mattered the thing by making it about all discrimination, even though it was in initially signaling solidarity with the George Floyd situation during the pandemic. So it's like there was already a little bit of a nasty undertone. Obviously, we've, we've got 30 years of the uh, Premier League. They're celebrating this. And what they're saying is only in significant moments we're going to take the knee. How do you decide what a significant enough moment is to show solidarity with uh, either underrepresented or uh, oppressed groups? Like all moments are good moments to do that in my book. But again, some will call me a social justice, right? Shout out to you. You know who you are. But yeah, for me, for me, it's no surprise that like you have 30 years of the Premier League, 29 years of kick it out. You have decisions made at the start of a season to basically just, oh, let's forget about that. I think I think the time has passed. And then immediately you just get faced with the same bullshit. Uh, mm. This league needs to do a better job across the board. That means whether you're Chelsea, whether you're West Ham, whether you're 
Leeds, whether you're Spurs, I don't give a fuck what fan you are. If you're racist, you deserve a lifetime ban. I don't want to see you. We don't want to see you. SYM, all of that, all of that, all of that. And the energy will be consistent no matter who it is. I don't want to see anyone on the timeline saying, oh, but when your fan did this and that. No, we called that out too. And if you don't know, the whole pod is centered around not fitting into that bullshit anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with it. And, and they, the league and clubs need to do a better job of kicking that shit out of the game. And ultimately, society needs to do a better job of weeding those people out of society too. Exactly. And um, I was going to say that as well. I remember seeing that come up on the account to say like, oh, you're only saying this because it was a rival fan. It's like, no, we, if it was one of our fans or our players even, I think the energy would be the same, if not stronger. It would be stronger. It would be, be stronger. stronger. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's obviously people who might be unfamiliar with the platform and yeah like we're, we're not one of those accounts on football twitter that spite these kind of things just for the sake of getting that arrival because really and truly again like if it was one of our lot if it was one of our fans players with a case then the energy would be stronger so yeah that's that's the energy that's the energy and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next coming weeks, uh, especially with um, Chelsea's internal investigation, uh, which they have announced now that they are um, they are looking into that incident. So yeah, hopefully that fan is identified and he does get the lifetime ban coming to him. And yeah, I'll be looking out for that uh, that news soon. Uh, hello <laughs> to Acer as well, who's watching in. Uh, Honorary NSO. Exactly. We gotta get him a name. We gotta get him a name. He deserves one. He can bring his own one from the NWO. Um, <laughs> or he could just be Landon Donovan's son. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lando. Oh, jeez. I know. Come on in. He'll uh, obviously be on the pod again soon, no doubt. Shout out to Asa. Um, we'll see before we get into her. Uh, Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Don't think anyone yeah. else has said that yet. Dennis Rodman. I think I think oh, you I might have to uh, you might have to change your name after the ice cream incident because <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't leave. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> I was having a different kind of magnum and um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely rumbled. <laughs> well, there you go, club legend Clint Dempsey. Oh, good. Jeez. We should probably do Wolves before we uh, chip out and spend time with our families. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess um, before we preview Wolves, I guess just wanted to touch upon this very quickly. Apparently, um, there was talk of Todd Bowley joining um, the Saudi Arabian project or the group to take over Spurs before Newcastle. Um, what are your, like, just quick thoughts on I wouldn't mind having Saudis because it increases the chance of us getting a prayer room at White Hart Lane. Other than that, I'm not for it. Mate. I'm not for it. I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, Levy uh, at present. I think I think we're trending upwards and the way that the stadium is going and things, uh, providing we get naming rights and some of these sponsorship deals sorted out, 
then I think we'll be in a good position to get a better bid down the line. Um, but yeah. Just crazy. I don't even want the Super League anymore. Because so, we're probably one of the only teams in Europe that can self-sustain profit and good income in this current market. And like you say, like it's easy to forget that like, we actually haven't even got naming rights for a stadium yet, which generates obviously a, a whole lot of income for us. But 100%. obviously tying down, tying down the boxing, the NFL, the concerts, uh, potentially uh, there's a hockey event coming to the stadium soon. Wow. Um, Skywalk, all these little things, as well as having them probably the most expensive tickets in the I league, it's not one that. of the highest. Uh, especially, um, I've <laughs> not uh, particularly a concern for you, but the beers are apparently really pricey there as well. Just all of these things, um, manage us to be probably one of the best self sustained clubs in Europe. And all these other clubs, especially ones which exercise levers on their TV rights, um, are desperate for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to see clubs like that saved because they essentially they haven't. They haven't earned it, whereas we've <laughs> suffered and we deserve some self-sustained profit. And um, hopefully we can go into this kind of post-COVID climate um, as strong as we have been. Um, so that's my initial thoughts on that. Um, I don't think we need to take over money-wise anyway. No, yeah, anyway. It has to be the right one. Exactly, exactly. And if uh, Man United are worth $4 billion, I mean... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. they're decrepit stadium and all of that shit mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, Ace is saying Jewish Muslim relations could be promoted by a prayer room for afternoon prayer times and a halal kosher food stand do we do we not have one of those food stands in the stadium it's a, it's a travesty mate it's that is travesty. actually quite surprising Yeah, I asked um, one time and they looked at me like I didn't belong so uh, yeah <laughs> That's it's been happening weird. a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but yeah. for sure. That's a great show. Um, well, let's preview the Wolves game then. Um, just a slight injury concern. Um, so Romero was reportedly injured for three to four weeks. Um, that's been quashed to say, you know, he's more got like an impact injury from Kukurea's challenge and it should be, he misses one game that's probably going to be it uh, up to about 10 days. So with him, obviously not um, starting against Wolves, he's been ruled out of this. How do you see this Wolves game going? And uh, I, yeah, think, I think we can cope for a game. Like if we can't cope for a game, then then there needs to be some real, uh, real shuffling in that back line. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain that will just be uh, Sanchez slotting in. Um, he did. He did okay last season when he came in for uh, Romero. We we amount amassed quite a good run, uh, albeit with him not looking the greatest in build up and things. But it is what it is. You have a squad for a reason. Use it. Um, I do expect to see Perisic start, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see. I want to see Basuma as well. I can't lie. In place of even one of these bums, man. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, is not a bum. I would like to see him start over Hoybier, um, for this game. I can't lie, especially if you don't have if you don't have uh Romero on that side to break lines, 
then I think you do need someone a bit more expansive in, in the midfield, um, especially on the side where uh, we're being vacated by uh, mm. Romero. So to, to, to get the ball into Kane, to get the ball into Kulisevsky with more of a frequency, I do think you need to have something a bit more adventurous in the midfield. But we're unlikely to make three changes, so the definites are going to be Perisic and Sanchez come into that side. Cool, cool. So we're going for um, technical quality and expansiveness. So for relative leadership, okay. No, okay, I hear it. I hear <laughs> it. I actually, I think um, that wouldn't be the worst move. Um, obviously, Bissouma generally is a better midfielder. So yeah, it could be a good chance for him to feel like a starter for the team. Um, Perisic coming in seems like a formality as well. Um Coming in, I think we should be able to keep them out even without Romero. Like I saw the meltdown on the timeline and remembered obviously coming into the running last season. He, Sanchez isn't ideal and I would have looked to have sold him this summer, but at the same time, he provides decent cover. Um, to my pleasant surprise last season, he showed good cover. And again, I'm sure against Wolves, who... Don't look that threatening going forward, aside from Pedro Neto's kind of Hollywood runs. Uh, yeah, they don't look great going forward. Um, and I see us running out 2-0 as Harry Kane likes to um, likes to get the odd goal against them as well. But a uh, quick score prediction from yourself, I guess. I want to say I would like to see us get a clean sheet. 3-0. Mm. 3-0. Three Three Are you going to the game? I am. I don't. I don't know how the fuck I'm getting there with the tube strikes and stuff. <laughs> Shout out to TFL and, and 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 National Rail and all of you guys uh, unionizing and things like that. Um, you won't slow me down, and I still show solidarity with you. But fucking hell, man! <laughs> <laughs> Ten o'clock. I'm gonna have to leave the house because uh, yeah, it's an early kickoff. Oh yeah, goddamn! So there you go. And uh, Ace has chipped in with the three-one win because um he's he's convinced Sanchez <laughs> will do something a bit silly. Um yeah so I was gonna say Tanganga initially. Um luckily I guess at right centre back we've got like a slightly more relative quality in depth than I suppose other centre back positions like left centre back doesn't really, we haven't really seen Lonley tested yet. I we have no I cover really be, so. I think he's gonna be superb. I can't lie. I think he's going to really surprise everyone. Oh, jeez. You do not need to be that good defensively playing in this back three. You do not. You yep. don't. You Fair do enough. not. Especially if, especially if uh, Dyron uh, Romero are on good form. Like, it's a formality. Just ping that ball about. That's it. That might come to haunt me, but... Yeah, I think he'll. I think he'll do well. For I've us. got a good feeling on him, but I'm slightly apprehensive because we don't have the buy option on him, and we're just fattening up a cap for someone else to swoop yeah. in. And if he does well for Spurs this season, like his value goes up astronomically, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if we bought him this summer, just outright bought him, like he probably would have cost like what at most, About given 17. that bottom, <laughs> <laughs> no more than like 15 million, give or take, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I think if he does well for us, that will at least double, triple. So, yeah, let's hope um, Barcelona is still starving for money by the time we look to maybe purchase him. Um, don't know how I ended up on a kind of long lay vision there, but 
Um, yeah, that kind of wraps up the the Wolves prediction and the the podcast this evening. Shouts to Ace uh, jumping in and um, providing a nice little future there. You are now <laughs> dubbed the Dennis Rodman of the pod. Um, as for the rest, uh, we'll see you soon. Catch us on the streams every uh, Thursday or Friday. The audio form comes out on the Saturday. The live show is now sold out, so if you didn't get a ticket, shame on you. Um, but yeah, that's for now. Come on, you Spurs. And uh... Look at the veins in my <laughs> oh, yeah, Thanks for the point, Chelsea. We need Same. to we need to we need to uh, clip that into our intro from now on as well. That shit was amazing. That can be done. Let's do it. All right, peace. Peace. On debut, Tunge on Dombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Mora clips it. A great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh yeah! Sports Social Podcast Network.